Well, good evening, Newark family, and welcome back once again to our evening broadcast. Today is Sunday, January 31st, 2021, and I am coming to you live. Now, you haven't seen me on camera as of late, and so it's my pleasure to be the one doing our Sunday evening broadcast today. And before we begin, why don't we go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and for your mercies and blessings. We thank you that on this cold winter night when it's 20 something degrees outside and it's snowing, we are able to be warm and safe and dry and in our homes. And although we are not together in person this evening for Sunday, we are still able to gather together online. Help our hearts to be open to what you have to say to us. May our ears, our spiritual ears, be in tune with what the Spirit is doing. And we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you are a guest and we are not your regular broadcast, we welcome you to this evening and we're glad that you could join us. If you'd like to find more information about our church, you can always visit us at our church website at newarkupc.info. That's newarkupc.info, and on that website, you can find all kinds of information about how you can connect with us. We have online small groups. We broadcast six nights a week at 7 p.m. You can submit prayer requests, baptism requests, all kinds of other things, but enough of those preliminaries out of the way. I want to go ahead and turn my attention for the next few minutes, if you'll join me, with a topic that you've heard us mention a lot lately, but I wanna approach it just a little bit different and I wanna give you a little more context to some of the things we've been talking about as a pastoral team. Now you've heard us say many, many times over the last few months, this idea about digging your own wells. And if you're not familiar with that term, stay tuned. I'm gonna expound on that for this evening. But it occurred to me in my own prayer time, as I was doing some of my Bible reading and talking to God, that we've been saying this a lot, dig your own well, dig your own well, dig your own well. But we probably, for some of you, have not really explained in depth what exactly it is that we mean when we say to dig your own well. And so tonight, if you'll just hang with me, I, I'm going to I'm going to pastor for a few minutes and I want to talk about what does it mean to dig your own well? And before I even get into that, let me just recap what has happened in the last 10 months. We're now at 10 months that it's been going on. March 17, 2020, we had to completely change everything we were doing. As a pastoral team, the nine of us met together. This um, COVID-19 pandemic had spread from China to Europe to the U.S. and the rest of the world. And all of a sudden, we realized that we were faced with an impending shutdown. And we were going to have to shift into this online mode, this digital campus. And we had done a few little experimental things with it. But now we were going to have to lean into this full bore. And it was our hope at that time, that this would last, you know, we knew it was going to be several weeks, maybe a few months, but we certainly were not thinking that we were going to be 10 months into this and still having to broadcast in this digital format. I can tell you on behalf of the entire team, and I don't speak alone on this, that when we started doing this, none of us were prepared for this. None of us had any idea what we were getting into. None of us expected it to last this long. I can tell you from my own experience for Rachel and I that when we were in Bible college and then later when we went to seminary and we were in a master's program, no classes, no discussion, no pastoral training that we've ever received. Did anybody sit down with us and ever role play and say, now 
Let's talk about what would happen if we entered a worldwide pandemic and the entire world had to shut down and completely revamp the way they were doing things. And now you as a church are not able for multiple reasons to gather in person. What does church look like? We got none of that. Nothing. We never had a discussion like that until March of last year when all of a sudden we got to do this in an instant and we have to figure out what we were doing. And one of the first things that we realized in switching to this digital campus format is that we were going to have to impress on everyone that during this time, however long it lasts, and I hope and pray that it's coming to a close very, very soon, that you were going to have to dig your own wells. And those of you who regularly join to our broadcast at this point, you might even be rolling your eyes and going, oh my goodness, not this again. Are we gonna talk about this tonight again? Yeah, but a little bit different. And I felt this in prayer. This is not just me getting on a candy stick that I want to talk about why we have to do this. And what does it actually mean when I say, and when the pastoral team talks about this idea of digging your own well, what is it that we are talking about? Where is it that we're headed? And so stick with me for a few minutes. And I just want to share some of what's been on my heart and God's been dealing with me in my own prayer time. And none of this is pre-rehearsed. And if you didn't notice, we are live tonight. This is not a pre-recorded message. And I have a few scripture passages. And I apologize, since this is live and not pre-recorded, I don't have a way to have the scripture down at the bottom. So you can listen along, or if you've got a Bible handy, or you've got your Bible app, or some device that you can pull it up, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And I want to read to you two quick stories. Both of them come out of Genesis. I'm going to read a story from the life of Abraham. Him, and then I'm going to read a story from the life of his son, Isaac. So we're going to start in Genesis 21, and then I'm going to read a few verses in Genesis 26. And both of these passages, if you haven't guessed it by now, have to do with wells. So let's look at Genesis 21, and we're going to jump in at verse 22. And let me give you just a little bit of context for what's going on here. If you go back and you reread later in Genesis 22, this story takes place right after Hagar has had Ishmael, and she ends up out in the desert, and she's run away from Abraham and Sarah, and miraculously their life is preserved, and an angel appears unto her and says that Ishmael is going to live, and the boy will become strong and become a great nation. And then we jump into this story. Now the scene transitions some amount of time. We're not sure how much has passed. And we're back to Abraham. And starting in Genesis 21 at verse 22, it says, About this time, Abimelech came with Phicol, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything that you do, Abimelech said. Swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I have been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and to this country where you are living as a foreigner. And notice, the king of the land, this is the Philistine land, the king recognizes that Abraham is living there as a foreigner, but he also sees that Abraham is very blessed by Abraham's God. And Abraham replied, yes, I swear it. And then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. Verse 26 of Genesis 21. This is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech answered. I have no idea who is responsible. 
You've never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of his sheep and his goats and his cattle to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. But Abraham also took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. And Abimelech asked, why have you set these apart from the others? And Abraham replied, please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means the well of oath, because it was there that they had sworn the oath. After making the covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech left with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned home to the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he worshiped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in the Philistine country for a long time. He was in a foreign land that was not his home for a long time. But while he was in that foreign land, he met with the king of that nation and he signed a treaty with him. And it was important to Abraham that the king of Philistines knew that Abraham had dug that well. Abraham wanted him to know this is my well and your servants stole it from me. And so they work out that dispute. Now we're going to jump later into Genesis, and we're going to go down to chapter 26. Abraham has now died and passed on. We've moved on to the next generation, and this is a story out of the life of Isaac. And we're going to jump in at Genesis 26, verse 12. And before we do that, again, a little context. This is right after the story about Esau selling his birthright to Jacob for basically a dinner meal. And then right after that story, a severe famine hits the land, and Ishmael decides to move his family to Gerar, which is, again, in the land of Philistines. So now he's moving back into the land of Philistines, where a generation later. And then Abimelech, same king, probably not. Likely a descendant of that king who either had the same name or Abimelech was a shared title for the kings of Philistines. Then Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, decreed to his people that they were not to bother Ishmael and his family. In other words, they were to leave not Ishmael, excuse me, they were to leave Isaac alone. They needed to leave Isaac and Rebekah and their family and all of their servants alone while they lived in that land as a foreigner. And so Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 12, this passage is a little bit longer, but I want to read you another story about a well, this time one generation later with Isaac. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more than he had planted for the Lord blessed him. And he became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. And so the Philistines filled up all, A-L-L, all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. And finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley where he set up his tents and he settled down. And he reopened the wells that his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. And Isaac also restored the names that Abraham had given them. 
and I don't have time to do an in-depth deep study tonight, but there's a lot of good information here about the importance of names and identity. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and they discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and they claimed the spring. This is our water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. And so Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well, second one. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. And then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. And he set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuza, and also Phicol, his army commander. Why have you come here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. And they replied, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let us make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us just if we have never troubled you, which is a joke because again, they forcefully removed him from the area. We have always treated you well and, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty and they ate and drank together. And early the next morning, each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. And then Isaac sent them home again and they left him in peace. And that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well that they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. And so Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up there is called Beer Sheba, which means the well of oath. Again, much in the same place and in the same area that his father had done a generation before. And so in these two little stories, we see Abraham digging a well and then insisting to the king that this is my well and your servants trying to take it. And then one generation later in this short little passage, we see five different wells that Isaac and his servants had dug in that area. And each one had a name and it had significance and it was important. And it's from this account in Genesis where we get this idea of digging your own wells. And when we talk about this, we mean something that's happening in the spiritual sense. And this idea that you have to be responsible for the sustenance. You have to be responsible for the life-sustaining force of your own spiritual life. And so based on these two passages, let me talk to you for just a few minutes about what it means to dig your own well. And there are four things that I want to highlight to all of you. And I pray that you'll receive this with an open heart and understand that I am not trying to criticize or chastise anyone, but I do want to call us all to attention and to think 
deliberately about what it is that we are doing in this season now that we are 10 months into this COVID pandemic and we are 10 months of doing online services and online small groups and online children's ministry and online prayer requests and our world has been flipped upside down when it comes to church and some of you are adapting and some of you are thriving and you're even growing and some of you are sustaining and there are some of you that I pray for you and I'm concerned about you and I've talked to you and other pastoral members have talked to different people and you're really struggling right now and you're upset and you just can't wait for things to get back to the way they were when we used to have church and it wasn't like this. And I implore you, I beg you, I plead with you to spend some time in prayer talking to God and begin to look at this differently. And I know that some of you are probably going to be upset with some of the things I say, but I hope you can receive it in a good spirit. And this is difficult for all of us. None of us want to do this. And none of the pastoral team is enjoying this in the sense of what we're having to do. I want to be in person and I want to worship and I want to celebrate together and I want to read scripture publicly in a corporate setting and I want to pray and I want to sing with all of you. And we will get back to that. Hear me. We will get back to that. But in the interim, in this desert valley, in this dry and dusty place that is far from home, you must dig your own well. And so what does that mean? Here's four things that I want to point out to you from these two stories, one from Abraham and then the second story from his son Isaac. And the first thing that you should notice when we read these stories, and don't miss this because it's simple, is that wells don't move. You heard that right. Wells do not move. When you dig a well, it's stationary. And if you move away from that well, then you have to dig a new one. So let's apply this spiritually. You have to be settled somewhere in some way spiritually in order to build and to dig, let me say that, to dig your own well. You must dig your own well in order to survive spiritually, especially during a time like this. But to do that, you've got to recognize that wells don't move. And so you need to be settled. You can't constantly be bouncing around from thing to thing. And you can't have an inconsistent time alone with God. That leaves you spiritually untethered. And in a spiritual sense, you just drift on the wind and you blow from place to place. And so if you are not consistent in your own time that you spend with God, spiritually, you're just wandering all over the place. And you can't dig a well that way because wells don't move. And so in order to dig your own well, the first thing you've got to realize is that you've got to have some consistency in your spiritual life. Some of you understand this and you do quite well at, you, at it. Some of you, you feel like, you know, I kind of do okay. And some of you don't do this at all. Some of you sometimes pray. Sometimes you read your Bible. Sometimes you might listen to worship music. And so spiritually, you have no tethering and you just blow all over the place. And right now, during a desert season, when things are very, very dry, you're going to die of thirst if that doesn't change. Wells don't move. And so to dig a well, you must be planted spiritually. Here's the second thing that we see from this. And this is important too. No one else is going to dig your well. 
No one else is going to dig your well. This is the part that you have to do for yourself. In a spiritual sense, there has got to be some level of commitment that you make to yourself, that you carry for yourself. There has to be some level of commitment that you make between you and God, and you recognize no one else is going to be able to do this for me. The church body is there for you. The church body is essential to your walk with Christ. This is not me and Jesus got my own thing going and I don't need anybody. That's not what I'm talking about. But the church body cannot sustain you. The church body is there to walk with you and to pray with you and to support you, but they don't feed you. Not alone. And they can't satisfy your thirst alone. You must dig your own well. You must dig your own well or you will die spiritually. If you are dependent on drinking water spiritually from other people's wells, during a time like this, there's not enough water to go around. Not unless you dig your own well and you're going to wither up. Here's another way to look at it. Let me continue with this desert metaphor because I feel like we're in a dry valley right now. And it's okay. I also recognize that it's a God-ordained dry valley. I don't think that this is a demonic attack of Satan that's going to destroy the church. Do I think that God caused this pandemic? No, but I do believe that God is using it. And he's trying to shake his church, especially in North America, and get us to wake up because we have it so good. And we are so abundantly blessed beyond measure that many times we don't realize it and we've become spiritually lazy. And so God is using this season to get our attention and to turn us back to him. So sticking with this desert analogy, I want you to think of the idea that you are walking through a dry, hot, desert place. And I want you to think of the church. And when we say church, now I'm talking about as we come together on a Sunday or a midweek Bible study, right? And we get together with our fellow church members and we sing and we worship and we pray together and we hear the preached word of God and we respond to God's spirit. And think of that as an oasis in the desert. It's this huge pool of water where all sorts of people can come together and they can be refreshed. If you depend on that oasis, for all of your water. In other words, you come to church once a week on Sunday and you're depending on that because you just, you need to feel God's presence and you just need a touch from God. And if I can just get to Sunday, then I can feel him once again. And there are times when we all go through seasons like that. I get that, but I'm talking about this is consistently the way you live. The only way you survive spiritually and connect with God is when you get around other people who are connected to God. And you only do that once a week on a Sunday. That's like coming to the oasis. And that's like knowing where an oasis is in the desert. And so once a week, you show up and you get something to drink. And then you leave the oasis. And you try to go another seven days before you have a drink of water again. You're dehydrated spiritually. That's not sustainable. You can't do that. I want the Oasis to come back. I enjoy gathering together. It is a time of refreshing that we all need, and it will come back. But at the moment, the Oasis is closed. We can't get to that Oasis spiritually where we all gather together corporately in one body, physically in one place, and we sing and pray and worship together and hear the preached word of God. That's not available to us at the moment. And so if your whole spiritual nourishment comes from gathering together once a week at an oasis, you are starving, and right now you're dehydrated and dying of thirst. And I will readily admit to it, you that these broadcasts are not going to cut it for you. 
And the reason these broadcasts aren't working and you're frustrated by them, and it's just not the same, and I'll admit it's not the same, and the reason you don't feel God is because you haven't dug your own well. And when you haven't dug your own well, you're dependent on other people to gather around you and share their water with you. And you're dependent on arriving at an oasis where the water is already flowing and moving in order to get something to drink. And it's important. I am not saying that gathering together doesn't matter. But if that's the only time you get something to drink, you're in danger of dying right now. And I am deeply concerned for you. And I have been praying and I'm burdened for all of you. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, is he talking to me? Do an introspective check right now. Is the only time you connect to God on Sundays when you gather together with other people? Then I'm talking to you if the answer is yes. I want you to be able to gather together, but you've got to have more than that. That kind of water will not sustain you. Even when we are not in a pandemic, if you only show up to church once a week, and when you show up once a week, that's when you connect with God, that will not sustain you in a spiritual sense either. You're still spiritually dehydrated. It's just not as visible during that time because we're not in a dry, hot desert season. But you've got to dig your own well, and you can't depend on someone else to dig it for you. Point number three. Wells take time to dig. Wells take time to dig. You cannot rush digging a well, and there are no shortcuts when you dig a well. There's not a faster way to dig a well, at least not properly. So let's apply that to a spiritual sense. You can't dig your own spiritual well if you have a devotional with God here or there. If you open your Bible app, inconsistently and read a pre-written devotion once or twice a week. If you listen to a song every once in a while as you, you know, drive to work, or maybe you're working for a home and you play Christian radio every once in a while. And when you try to remember it, sometimes you might read a scripture when you get up in the morning, or when you remember it, you might read a scripture before you go to bed at night. And maybe you grab a couple minutes of prayer here and there. That's not how you dig a well. Wells take work and they take time. And you can't dig a real well sporadically and without any sort of plan. You can't dig a real well, a life-sustaining well that flows up deep from the ground and refreshes you if you only hit it every once in a while. Now, prayer is a big concept, and a lot of people have different ideas about prayer. And if you've been attending our online small groups, you heard a lesson about prayer in the last few weeks. And remember that prayer is simply conversation between you and God. You need to talk to God daily. What does that look like for you? You have to figure that out. Is it throughout the day? Is it a set time? Is it a certain amount of time that you're trying to do? You need to figure that out, but you've got to talk to God and you've got to pray. And in addition to prayer, you must be reading the scriptures. Scripture is the primary way. Hear me, please, please hear me. Scripture is the primary way that God speaks to us and that we hear his voice and that he gives us instruction on how we are to live our Christian life, live a disciplined life. A disciplined life is the life of a disciple. 
If you profess to be a disciple of Jesus, then you must have spiritual discipline. And it's from the scriptures that we learn what these disciplines are and how to sustain us. And so you've got to spend time in the scriptures other than the time that you hear from the pastoral team and the other leadership team as we bring you scriptural thoughts in these broadcasts. These are important, but this alone is not what sustains you. You've heard me say this many times, so I'm going to say it again. You need to do a slow read. Take your time with the scriptures. Read them slowly. If it takes you the next three years to read your way through the scriptures, then so be it. It takes you three years. I would rather you spend three years reading slow and comprehending what you're reading than to get a Bible plan that gets you all the way through the scriptures within a year. And you can say, well, I read my Bible. I don't remember most of it, but, but I read it. And if you're a fast reader with a high comprehension and you enjoy reading all the way through your Bible every year, great, more power to you. I'm not saying you can't do that either. But if you are someone who needs to slow down, please do it. And it's been my general experience in teaching and preaching and in pastoring with people that most need to slow down and they're reading too fast. And remember, I said to you that scripture is the primary way that God speaks to us. And so as part of your scripture reading, and as part of reading slow, you need to read a passage, and then you need to sit still and allow time for God to speak to you about what you just read. If you read a passage, close your Bible, and walk away, you are not allowing a golden opportunity while your mind and heart is open spiritually for God to speak to you and to challenge you and to teach you from his scriptures. You cannot shortcut this process. You cannot dig a well quickly. If you dig a well too quickly, it will collapse. And so in the spiritual sense, you've got to take time to talk to God. You've got to take time to read his word, and it can't be sporadic. It can't be a checkbox exercise. You can't just do this every once in a while. Wells take time to dig, and there's no shortcuts. And then finally, point number four, you have to fight to keep your wells. That's why I read to you that passage out of Genesis 26 with Isaac. In that one short little passage, he dug five different wells. Part of it was because he had to move to a new location because he was being driven out. And part of it, in two of the cases, he dug a well, and then some other group moved in, and they stole them from him and said, we get this well. Notice that when Isaac began to prosper, all hell broke loose in his life. Go read it again in Genesis 26. To prevent him from growing his flock, to prevent him from prospering, the people all around him stopped up. They filled in his wells. They knew that if he did not have access to water, his livestock would die. They knew that if he did not have access to water, he would have to move or his family would wither up and die. It's the same in the spiritual sense. If you do not have access to water, you will slowly dehydrate and die of thirst. 
And so once you begin to dig a well, like we've talked about in these other points, and you begin to develop some consistency in what you're doing, don't be surprised if your life goes sideways and all kinds of things come against you and all kinds of distractions and all sorts of things in the spiritual realm begin to bother you and afflict you and try to trouble your mind and all kinds of weird stuff goes sideways like you would never expect. Do you know what that means? That's a sign that you're doing something right. Because the powers of darkness and the adversary, they don't want you to dig your own well. They want you distracted and they want you thirsty. Because when you're spiritually thirsty and you haven't dug your own well, you will try to satisfy it some other way. And in North American culture, the primary way that we try to satisfy spiritual things is through entertainment. And so instead of digging our own well, we mindlessly watch stuff, or we mindlessly read stuff, or we mindlessly play games. And it's a bad diet, and it's slowly going to starve you to death. And the forces of darkness are happy for you to spend your life not digging your own well, and instead trying to satiate something in your spirit through entertainment, and it will never work, and you will never be satisfied. And so you have to fight to keep your well once you start digging it. Am I saying you can't have entertainment? Am I saying you can't watch things? No, don't misunderstand me. But if all you're doing during this season is finding a way to numb your mind and to keep you occupied because you're bored, something's off in a spiritual sense. And you've got to wake up and pay attention to that. Likewise, when you really begin to dig your own well, you will know that you're doing it right if other things try to stop you, if other things try to distract you. If you're a morning person and you decide, I'm going to carve out this amount of time in the morning and I'm going to talk to God and read scripture, don't be surprised if all kinds of other things buy for your attention during that morning time. If you're an afternoon person or an evening person, whatever time of day it is, it doesn't matter that you want to talk to God and spend time reading the scripture slowly. And you begin to dig that well. As you do that, I guarantee you things will fight for your attention. Things will keep you distracted. But you've got to fight to keep your wells. Life and all kinds of other distractions will work actively to keep you from digging. So you've got to find what works for you. And this is the part where I refuse to give you a formula because they're not real and they don't work. I'm not going to tell you how much time to spend in prayer every day. I'm not going to tell you how long you need to be reading. And I'm certainly not going to tell you when you need to do it because every circumstance is different. Every individual is unique. You need to figure that out. That's part of digging your own well. But you've got to come up with some sort of consistency if you haven't done this already, where you spend time talking to God and where you spend time slowly reading his scriptures and then pausing and allowing him to speak back into your life. I am certain that you have time for this. The world has slowed way down. And so there are not as many things vying for our attention, at least not that require us to scurry about in the same way. If you want this, you can have this. And the good news is you can have this. You don't need any special training. You don't need years and years of experience to do this. You just have to make an effort. And once you pick up that shovel in a spiritual ship sense and you, and you turn over that first load of dirt, God will meet you there. He's waiting for you to pick up that shovel. Some of you understand this 
Some of you have this mastered. And so during this time, you're sustained because you have your own well and you know how to draw water for yourself. And yes, you miss the oasis. We all miss the oasis. And I want to get back there soon. But you're not dying of thirst because you know how to dig your own well and you know how to draw your own water spiritually and to get a hold of God. Some of you get the general idea, but you're not consistent at it. And so your wells are falling into disrepair. And so I plead with you, wake up spiritually, pay attention to this and reopen that well. And some of you I'm very concerned for, and I pray for you, and I hurt because I'm not sure where you're at. And we're going to come back together soon, and hopefully we see you come back. But if you have not dug a well during this time, I beg you, you've got to start. Because if you don't have your own well, you are dying spiritually, and there are very real dark forces in this world that want to keep you distracted. And they want to keep you miserable, and they want to keep you depressed, and they want to keep you angry, and they want to keep you distracted. Anything they can do to keep you from picking up a shovel in a spiritual sense, in a physical sense, from cracking open that Bible and actually reading it and slowing down and spending time talking to God. Because when you dig your own well, you can walk through a dry and dusty desert place and you will survive. In fact, if you know how to dig your own well during this time, you will grow stronger. Not only will you survive, God will give you opportunity to thrive in a desert place. And so I speak prophetically to some of you right now in the name of Jesus that if you will just put in the real effort and act like you mean it, not only will you come through this season, you will come out the other side stronger than you have ever been with a greater relationship with God than you've ever had. And you will know his voice and be able to hear it clearer than you have ever heard it before. Because during a dry valley desert season, you picked up a shovel and you settled in and you realized that wells don't move. And you realize that no one's going to dig that well for you. And you realize that it takes time to dig this. So I'm going to camp right here and do it. And you realize that once I hit water, I got to fight to keep it. And if you get these concepts, my brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what circumstance you face in life, you will come through it. This is why the apostolic leadership of the first century could sit in prison cells awaiting execution and write letters to churches about how good and awesome God is and how they can't wait to get to eternity. Do you know why Paul could write like that? Do you know why Peter could write like that? Because those men knew how to dig a well and they knew how to drink water for themselves and you can have that too. And you don't just have to survive this season. You can thrive during this season if you will dig your own well. And I hope you hear my passion and my intensity tonight, not as anger, because I'm not mad at any of you, but as a plea for all of you, for those of you who are doing great, excellent, keep doing it. For those of you who have it on and off, I implore you to become more consistent with it. And for those of you, my brothers and sisters, my dear brothers and sisters, who are just floundering during this time, and you desperately need to get back to church so you can feel God once again, it's a sign that you don't have a well. 
It's a sign that you do not have access to water for yourself. And so you're dependent on other people to bring it to you. And that can change. And that needs to change. And God is calling you to him. And he says, if you will put in the effort, I will bring you to a place where there's a well just for you, a well with your name on it, a well where I will meet with you and I will speak to you and I will share with you things that no one else knows if you will dig your own well. Oh, Jesus, this is available to all of us and he's calling us to it, but you got to pick up that shovel and do it for yourself. And so I know I've been a little long tonight. And as we close out this live broadcast, let me pray in Jesus name, as we come to a close, that you would hear what I'm saying and you would receive it. And Heavenly Father, as we come to you, I pray right now in your name that people would accept this and that they would hear it and they would receive it in the spirit in which it comes. And they'd recognize that you have a plan for them and you want to sustain them. And during this time, you can walk with them. And that you have good things in store for them if they will pick up that shovel and they will begin digging. And for those of us who have our own well, help us to keep coming back to it. Help us to fight to maintain it. We've got to live by that well and we've got to push out distractions that would keep us from having access to your water. And so strengthen all of us during this time. Help us to walk out the other side of this valley. And in our wake, there will be streams of water. And in our wake, there will be pasture land. And in our wake, there will be fertile fields and new wildflowers. Because everywhere we've gone, there's water that spills out of us into the areas that are around us because we know how to dig it for ourselves. And when we walk into a desert place and when we walk into a valley in a dry place, it doesn't scare us and it doesn't intimidate us and it doesn't threaten to kill us because we know that our water and our sustainment comes from you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Newark Church family. I pray that you feel his spirit just as I feel his spirit right now, that you are encouraged by this. Get ready. This season is coming to a close, hopefully sooner or later. But I guarantee you when this season comes to a close, God has been all that we've had, but he's all that we need. And there will be those of us who are stronger for it. And you can be one of those people. Thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you.